The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host Corbett, this time I remembered, and joining me after a week of prolific tweeting, it's Zach Ratio. How you doing, Zach? How you doing, Corp? Um, I'm a little under the weather, but that's okay, because it doesn't matter. We've got a whole bunch of Hearthstone stuff, very exciting Hearthstone news to dive into today. So, you know, that can really lift my spirit, um, you know, even if I am a little sick today. Oh, feel better, man. You don't sound sick, so if that's a compliment. Yeah, it's kind of a compliment, but <laughs> you're doing okay. You're holding up. Uh, So... Yeah, there's been, uh, you know, we have Twist launching. Um, We had another week of meta developments. We had an expansion announcement. The the expansion announcement really happened uh, this Tuesday. It feels like it happened like two weeks ago. I know. But, (laughs) But it did happen. We are having a Titans expansion. And uh, obviously there's some... There's some cool cards that they've already revealed. We won't talk about them this week. We'll talk about them. Maybe there'll be some more cards to talk about next week. But it's an exciting time for Hearthstone. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this expansion. I think the Titans could be really, really cool. I think that keyword is really uh, fun. And uh, Mommy Titan, the Druid uh, Legendary, looks pretty awesome, uh, specifically. But yeah, we'll talk about the, the those cards uh Maybe next week when, when we have more time. Uh, in terms of report, um, in terms of what's going to happen with in terms of content. So we do have an exclusive card reveal. Um, uh, we're revealing on our website uh, the second half of the Rogue set on the July 15th. Uh, thank you, Blizzard, for the opportunity. Uh, I'm really... Uh, Excited about that, writing an article about those cards. Uh, and next week, there might not be... Like, here's the thing. There was a major content patch, right, um, this week, which means usually by the rule, 12 days later on the Thursday, the week after... Uh, it's not 12 days, but on the week after, uh, there's usually a patch, a balance patch. Now, I'm not sure what they're... It's very likely that this balance patch will address twist to some degree, you know, quest lines and stormwind, a kind of uh, overperforming there. So I expect some bans in that direction. Uh, but in terms of balance patch for standard, uh, I think it's more complicated. Uh, I'm not sure whether they do anything, whether they do like just one change, maybe to do multiple changes, maybe they do no changes because the format's pretty okay right now. I think it's pretty in a pretty good spot. And it's kind of a tough decision whether you want to tinker with it or not. If there is a balance patch, obviously there's not going to be a report next week. But if there's no balance patch, then we're going to push through a report on uh, uh, July 6th. Uh, if not, then... The next report will be on July uh, 13th, the week after. So, uh, let's talk about the current format. And we should talk about Demon Hunter first, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because uh, there's been stuff going on uh, with Demon Hunter. It's a bit surprising. (laughs) Uh, And at the heart of it is the re-emergence of Spell Demon Hunter. So, Spell Demon Hunter is coming back again. In a different form, um, what could stem the tide right now is that it's bugged. Felderai Warband, if you're playing on PC, if you're playing on PC, Felderai Warband uh, generates tokens that you cannot click on. They're basically <laughs> invisible. So uh, the deck is uh, unusable. I-, I don't think you can actually play that deck on 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 pc uh so you know sometimes bugs come up clutch here and uh we'll see but after this gets fixed then obviously spell demon hunter is going to gain more and more traction 
Uh, no longer as an OTK Sethino deck. It dropped the Sethino. And it runs a bunch of removal and AoE effects. And, uh, you know, it's running going down swinging. It's running Rhapsody. It, it, it's basically a heavy removal focused deck that kills you through sustained damage. It has a lot of damage. It's it's not an insane amount of damage, but it's enough damage to kill every deck that doesn't have a, an excessive amount of life gain. And what this deck does is absolutely destroys the other Demon Hunter decks. You've got Relic, you've got Outcast. Outcast, obviously, with this new iteration that runs Shambling Chow and Merlocula, uh, looking like the best deck on paper at top legend, but being usurped by a 2080 matchup against Spell Demon Hunter. Uh, Relic DH, I think a deck that I think we recognized last week was not close to being the best deck, but it was more of a function of people playing a lot of Blood Control and Spooky Mage, and those decks dropped off, so, so Relic Demon Hunter is kind of settling into the Tier 2 range, but again, gets completely destroyed by Spell. So Spell Demon Hunter is a very polarizing deck that destroys Demon Hunter, uh, dominates um, decks that lose to AoE, things like Pure Paladin, things like uh, Unholy, Aggro Death Knight, Basically, every deck that's very board-centric and, uh, you know, cannot deal with multiple, you know, Unleash Fell, Arcanist, you've got Rhapsody, you've got Going Down Swinging, you've got a ton, tons of ways to just fend off any sort of board development for the opponent. But this deck has flaws. The biggest flaw is its win condition. Uh, its win condition is sustained damage, and sustained damage obviously gets offset by healing. Now, Control Priest specifically doesn't have a lot of healing, so um, that matchup is close to 50-50, but I am starting to see, like over the last couple of days, when Spell Demoners start to emerge, I'm seeing Priest players at Top Legend start running things like Flash Heal uh, and uh, Location, Fan Club, in order to improve that matchup specifically. Because life gain really helps. You, you don't get OTK, there's no Sathino. So you just, you know, try to outheal. But there are matchups that this deck just gets rolled over uh, by Enrage Warrior because it can generate boards. You know, Enrage Warrior is just really good against Demon Hunter because um, its ability to generate very sticky boards that. Um, you know, snowball uh, to the point where the AoE of the Demon Hunter just doesn't work anymore. And you've got things like Hound Hunter, you know, Hope of Quelthalas is a very strong card um, that makes Hunter able to, you know, build very difficult uh, boards to clear. Uh, and it's got sustained pressure through bananas, you know, it buffs things out of range of removal. So Hound Hunter is, is a tough matchup. Obviously, Chadrid is a very, very difficult matchup. Um, so, and Blood Control, Spooky Mage, things with a lot of life gain. The Spell Demon, Demon Hunter is very, very polarizing. And right now, it looks like the best performer at Top Legend because of um, the Demon Hunter popularity, because it just farms the good matchups. The 80-20s are very popular uh, compared to the, the oppressively bad matchups. So that's the current situation with Spell, and uh, we'll see how much traction it gains. It's a very polarizing deck, so it rises in play. I think the counters can, you know, come up and, and slap it down a bit. It's not a deck that I anticipate will be the best deck in a situation where, I don't know, has a 10% play rate. I very much doubt that because it's so polarizing, because it's so easy to counter. But it is an important development because um, what happens is if, Spell Demon Hunter destroys Relic DH, then it has another effect. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a deck that has been similar to this in the past, um, where it's just packed with nothing but AoE and a finite amount of damage. I I'm kind of thinking old, I don't know, Mind Blast Priest. It's kind of like a quest hunter. Like, it, it, it sort of makes a sense why, you know, it is so polarized because it's simple like it's a it's aoe is very particular about the health breakpoints like having a lot of three health breakpoints 
and then the finite damage you know like you're saying and how it it can't just keep going as healing and armor so it's incredibly targetable but it actually seems like it's coming up at a the right moment um where kind of the only decks that sort of look like they might be running away with things uh outcast demon hunter and so the fact that we do have this very polarizing deck might not be the worst thing in the world i know like polarization can be a very dirty word um but sometimes it's a good thing when you have a very clear counter uh that players are willing to try and i suppose the funny thing is as well is that outcast demon hunter and spell hunter these these two archetypes are going to be dueling it feels like a top legend and they're probably going to be completely irrelevant outside top legend (laughs) like no one's going to bother picking up either deck i imagine yeah, um, that is true. Like these developments are mostly ha- uh, happening at high MMRs. These decks are not too relevant outside of that bracket. Outside of that bracket, you have a pretty uh, steady meta that's not going to change too much. I do disagree with Spell Demon Hunter being a like having a healthy component for the format. Like specifically, I wouldn't mind this deck, but I think what it enables is something that people may not enjoy in the near future. And we'll get to that. We'll get to why Spell Demon Hunter, I think, uh, in general, its in, like its rise and its increasing presence is uh, not a positive thing. I don't think it's a positive thing. I don't think it's going to lead to a better experience, at least for the players who are playing at that rank bracket. So, But, but we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that next, actually. I want to bridge into that immediately because... Relic Demon Hunter right now is the major presence that's stopping Control Priest from being one of the best decks in the game, if not the best deck in the game. Uh, I did some some anal- some simulation, some uh, calculation to what happens if we drop Relic Demon Hunter from the format right now. And what happens is that Control Priest becomes extremely popular. Um, And Control Priest is a deck that is extremely flexible in its removal package and defensive package to the point where it has plenty of cards that it could switch in in case something different tries to target it. So for example, if it wants to respond to Relic Demon Hunter and do a little bit better in that difficult matchup, it can run Shadow Ward Ruin. That helps with that. But let's say... Um, Burn Mage became the deck that you know rose up and tried to counter it. Then it could drop the Shadow Ward Ruin or drop you know mass removal, uh, expensive single target or you know removal meant for large minions. And it can go AOE route, more AOE. It can run more healing in order to offset the burn. Um, against things like Frost, Death Knight, it can do very similar things in terms of increasing uh, sustain with Fan Club, with Flash Heal, cards like that, that are always accessible. But the deck is extremely flexible and it's very difficult to target right now. What used to beat it at Zoctorid, and obviously Zoctorid got nerfed, Chadrid doesn't have a good matchup against Control Priest because of its mass removal option as well as Shard of the Narrow. So you have a situation where Relic is pretty much the one thing that keeps Control Priest in check. Um, there are some counters. Again, Burn Mage is a soft counter. Secret Rogue is another. But these decks don't really... You can't really expect them to gain much traction um, for reasons, for multiple reasons. They're not that good right now. And also, they're not decks that seem to attract a lot of you know, player base. They're, they're not decks that even if they were mildly competitive or or better or in a positive win rate or in a better situation, uh, you wouldn't expect them to, to be ex- super popular. So in, a, in that situation where Relic gets obliterated by something, Control Priest rises. Mm-hmm. And... Spell Demon Hunter obliterates Relic Demon Hunter. And if you switch, if you make a Demon... If if Demon Hunter transitions from Relic to Spell, which seems to be what's developing, then Control Priest gets better. And over the last couple of days, 
I'm already identifying that control priest, though in this report, declined in its win rate compared to last week a little bit, by like half a percent. Its win rate is picking up again. And it's like its trajectory is heading towards tier one right now in the current meta. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay. This, this is strongly driven by the rise of Spell Demon Hunter. Uh, it's just dissuading Relic Demon Hunter. It's reducing its popularity and win rate. And there's nothing else out there to, that can really realistically stop Control Priest. Uh, so it, it's, it's headed into a direction of like Control Priest could be one of like... Control Priest is a deck that even when it's like tier two and kind of decent, it's very popular. So when it when it enters the range of like tier one, if you tell players that Control Priest is tier one, like the high MMR bracket is just gonna be Control Priest uh, extravaganza, and a meta where Control Priest is super popular and also, you know hard to counter or at least its counters are very niche is usually not the most fun format so the the latest development i have and something that i expected while writing this report and i'm seeing it happening live is that control priest is shooting up and is threatening a situation where it's close to being the best deck Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I suppose when I was thinking more about Spell Demon Hunter, I was just focused on, you know, like, the the first thing that you see, which is Outcast Demon Hunter at the top of the table. And so it's easy to kind of look at that and think, oh, well, I suppose Spell Demon Hunter can help curb uh, Outcast. But no, I think you've you've done a great job sort of outlining the secondary problems, the knock-on effects. And man, I do not like the sounds of these knock-on effects, Zach. I don't really think I want a control priest format, um, as we've outlined multiple times in previous podcasts. Yeah, I mean, again, top. this is mostly going to occur at top legend, but Relic Demon Hunter is really the hero of the format at high levels of play right now. It's been holding this deck back. And if it gets any sort of, you know, whether it gets nerfed or it gets countered like this by Spell Demon Hunter and, uh, you know, discouraged, then it, Control Priest is just waiting to shoot up. It's just a deck that just like, it's like I'm, I'm seeing a deck that's like licking its lips right now and just waiting to make us all miserable. Um, it, it's definitely getting there. Well, let's dive in then. Um, not not to like stay on the topic too much, but you did touch on the idea of a patch and nerfs uh, at the very top of the show. Does that mean you would immediately advocate for a change to Spell Demon Hunter? Is this one of the two, like one or two changes that you're hinting at that you would prefer to see? Uh, I mean, ideally, I would look to nerf Chadrid for play experience reasons and strictly for play experience reason and nothing else. Uh, and then maybe do something about Spell Demon Hunter. I really don't want to do... I don't want to nerf... I'm not eager to nerf Control Priest right now, though it does look a bit tempting. Uh, and I definitely don't want to nerf Relic Demon Hunter in its current in, in, in the current format. Like, um, there are some definitely some cards that in Demon Hunter you feel like they're overstaying their welcome, specifically Unleash Fell is a very powerful card that's just on paper is is just cracked right it's, it's a really really powerful effect and it's definitely a card that i expect in the future eventually inevitably is going to get nerfed at some point like this is not a card that i expect to stay at one mana forever however uh, it might be better to like nerf such a card in a future patch, maybe a sh patch that's close after the start of the expansion. Maybe you launch Titans, right? If you launch Titans and the best deck in the first few days is a Demon Hunter deck running on Leashville, then go ahead and nerf it then, right? But in right now, the timing right now is we kind of need Unleashville in the format to be as good as it is to prevent control priests from spiraling. Because if you you 
do nerf uh, Relic Demon Hunter right now, you have to nerf Control Priest. You have to nerf it pretty significantly. And my preference is to not nerf these decks because of the, the current situation, they're not too bad, right? They both have reasonable play rates and reasonable win rates. The Emergence of Spell Demon Hunter concerns me in the sense that it enables Control Priest to be a bit more, a bit too good and maybe better than I'm comfortable with, right? Because um, if we post a report, I'm telling you, if we ever post a report, this expansion, where Control Priest is a tier one deck of top legend. It's over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Jover. It's, it's Jover, Jover man. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jover. Like, because this is a deck that whenever it's remotely good, is very, this is not Hunter, right? This is not Shaman. This is not Paladin. Uh, if this deck is remotely good, people just jump on it. Because they because there are a lot of people who love playing Control Priest. Like Control Priest is an archetype that is popular. And therefore, because it's popular, you don't need it to be that good in order for it to see play, right? There are certain archetypes that don't need that. Some decks need to be the best to see play, right? And Rage Warrior needs to be really, really good for people to play it. But Control Priest is not that way. Control Priest is a deck that if it's good, if it's strong, uh, Miracle Rogue is another example. If it's strong, the top legends is infested with Miracle Rogue. So you really need to pick your spots on what 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 are the kind of decks that you allow to be this good. And in the case of Control Priest, it's even a, a bigger problem because even Control Priest players don't want Control Priest to be too good. Because if you all if you run into a, a wave of mirrors and you just get imprisoned into these 30-minute slugfests that can end up in draws. I mean, that's not fun, right? I think Control Priest is best when it's it's a competitive deck, but it doesn't run into a lot of mirror matchups, and it doesn't become the thing that I have to beat, the thing I have to get under um, in order to, to survive in the format. All right, so what I'm hearing is that whoever is in charge of fixing the warband bug... Um, send that person on holiday for a few weeks. You know, they, they deserve a little bit of time off. Yeah, maybe we need to keep Warband Bug for just uh, just, uh, just until uh, August 1st, uh, <laughs> around that. Uh, and just, just fix it uh, at launch of Titans. But uh, but yeah, that that's the current situation. But again, this is only a concern at Top Legend. Uh, for the rest of ladder, if you're not sitting at Top Legend, I think this meta is very chill. Uh, there are a lot of options to choose from. There are a lot of good decks out there that you can do well with. So pick whatever you enjoy and have fun. Really, this is only a stressful development in high MMR bracket. Mm -hmm. So a lot of talk about Control Priest, but now to something else that never needs help to be too popular. Uh, let's talk about Death Knight, Zach. Yeah, um, Death Knight, I think, is in a good spot in the format in terms of their... Like, all decks are kind of viable, but none of them are just too good. Unholy is the best one out of the three. Um, but, uh, you know, Blood Control is obviously going to be the most popular. Uh, Blood Control did get better this week, um, specifically at Top Legend, because it's good against Outcast Demon Hunter. It's, a, it's the best counter, uh, other than Spell DH. Second best counter to outcast demon under because you know blood boil forms that matchup corpse explosion is very good against rancher it's just got the perfect removal tool pa uh tool package to to deal with that matchup it's also very good against spell dh um so the field got better and it got a little bit better but it's it's still like a tier three deck it's still going to be sub 50 percent where it i don't i'll be surprised if it does better than that it might edge close to 50% if Spell Demon Hunter really explodes. But it's a deck that's situational, right? Because it has a lot of bad matchups. Frost is kind of falling off. Out of all the, like, it, it, we talked about it. Limited uh, skill ceiling. Uh, Frost is also a deck that has the build to just completely figure out at every point. So whenever there's a patch, first week it kind of starts well. And then people, can't, uh, you know, other decks catch up as they refine and settle down. And Frost doesn't really have scope for improvements. That usually drops off on the second week. 
uh, on the second window of a, of a new patch. Uh, but yeah, if you want to do well with Deathline, I think Unholy is the best uh, way to go. Uh, it's just, it's much better, like if you compare it to Frost, much better into Hound Hunter. Uh, Frost gets countered by Hound Hunter because of Hound. It's it's a really good card in that matchup. And uh, Unholy is actually favored against Hunter. So it's a big swing there. Also against Enrage Warrior, much better matchup. Those are big matchups that swing things in favor of Unholy uh, over Frost. But in terms of builds, not much happening there. Yeah, nothing, nothing much to add on to uh, Death Knight. I feel like it's been in the same kind of spot for a while uh, with just a few meta developments. I'd like, I'd really like to see in the next expansion something else emerge. They've been trying to support, uh, you know, Rainbow, you know, Rainbow, or you know, just a more diverse set of runes. Like they've been trying to push uh, a double unholy fraught one frost. They've been trying to push all sorts of stuff and it hasn't really worked out um it's kind of going to be a challenge i think it's going to be a challenge because the the triple rune payoffs right now so are just good. really powerful yeah they're just really really powerful and i understand why they're so good because you know you introduce the class and you want to kind of establish what triple rune cards are um so it might even take until next uh april for death knight to kind of have a reset and really figure out what it if it wants to do anything else, unless, you know, the way to, to force it is just to force really stupidly good payoffs with mo uh, a, a different a requirement of different runes. Because uh, so far, the things like Syndragosa, they're not really great payoffs. Uh, they don't really make you want to give up a triple frost rune or a triple uh, blood rune. Like you're never gonna do that when Vampiric Blood and Frostrum's Fury are or Grave Strength are, are cards in the in the class. Yeah, it feels like such a difficult task um, where we have these cards established, and they have talked previously about how each expansion they expect it to focus on one rune in particular, and then like another rune gets support, and then one of them might have a you know take a bit of a, uh, a step back. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see some more diverse action going on in Death Knight. I don't think they have to like i think death knight has been very successful so far um even though it's not a class that appeals to me personally that much it's obviously uh resonated with the majority of the player base like people want to play this people seem to be enjoying it um and i think they've done a really good job in being able to push all three of these archetypes at this stage so death knight launch uh big thumbs up from me um just before we like get into the next expansion uh you know in a month yeah i think i think overall uh, they've fleshed out the three archetypes pretty well. It's a good way to introduce the runes in the class. Uh, it's honestly not a big problem if they if they don't if they can't support other archetypes uh, for the next eight months or so. Um, but if if they do like if we do persist with the trip runes then they may want to like encourage at least these arch these archetypes to you know go in different directions a bit or pick different cards or run different stuff because frost has been you know kind of the same deck for eight months uh, so we'll see if they manage to you know refresh it a bit but again it's it's a it's a rich man's problem it's it, you know there are classes that need more desperate help uh than death knight i think death knight is in a fine spot Druid is a class that I think needs help uh, because even though, you know, Chad Druid is good, it, it's a strong deck, but I expect it to eventually be addressed because of the, the play experience of, you know, Hedge Maze into Wamper. I think out of every card in the format, I think the format is pretty good. It's pretty solid. But if you... Like, if there's something that people are complaining about pretty loudly, it's Whomper. It's me. I'm someone. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this card just is... I'm seeing a lot of complaints about this card. On Twitter, on on Discord. This card is unpleasant. And uh, if if Druid does eventually... If Chad Druid does get nerfed, like, Druid Kaza has nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of has nothing. Uh, there's there's just nothing out there that's uh, remotely good. Anubrakan was a cornerstone card 
or Druid's late game, and then when it doesn't, like it, it no longer functions in the way that it, 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 it can function on a competitive level, then it's just, you know, kind of done. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's kind of a problem. So Druid has, there are some challenges ahead with Druid, though, again, uh, I do think that the most exciting card that's been revealed so far from the next expansion is Eonar, uh, 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 the Lifebinder, which is looks amazing. So maybe Druid gets a lot of help in the late game uh, that way. But yeah, Chadroid does not much. Uh, Chitinous Plating is a really good card right now because of, you know, there's more faster decks, uh, spell DH. If that, you know, the bug gets fixed, you probably want to read, uh, you're probably going to want to run Plating. Yeah, so we talked about Control Priest, uh, Warrior. Uh, and Rage Warrior is kind of interesting. Um, you know, over the over the last week, I've kind of evaluated the card choices in, in Rage Warrior, and it's kind of, difficult to give you a clear recommendation uh i think the most dramatic difference in the card choices are related to chadrid and control priest against chadrid you want to run wretch wretch is really good because you can play it earlier and snowball on the druid it's it's just classic you know anti-druid gameplay but against priest you want grom uh grom actually does better in that matchup compared to wretch and Roaring Applause is also really good. So if you run double wretch, one Roaring Applause, you're at risk of like gassing out against the Control Priest and not having enough damage. Um, so, you know, and if you you play wretch early against Priest, it's kind of a mid card. It's not great uh, compared to Grom, which you can you can build up, play in the late game, slam it, and and kill the Priest. So. Enrage Warrior really depends. Uh, if you're running Enrage Warrior, you need to think, am I running into a lot of Chatterids or am I running into a lot of Control Priests and make that decision? Um, yeah, that, that that's pretty much what, what's going on with the Warrior. With Mage, um, Mage, Spooky Mage is really... Popular. Remarkable. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I mean, look at it. Okay, this deck is worse than Warlock decks. I was trying to be nice, Zach. You didn't have to put it out there like that. But again, we can we can kind of make fun of it, but in actuality, this is a big design win. Uh, I know that people there there's there are complaints about Solid Alibi, and I understand these complaints. And Solid Alibi is a card that can definitely be a nerf target in the future, but not right now because Mage does not need to get nerfed. Um, but in Spooky Mage is a, is a pretty terrible deck. Uh, but what Spooky Mage does do is it beats Control Priest and also beats Outcast DH and Spell DH. So it's kind of it's kind of funny that it kind of beats things that you know are kind of the enemy right now. For me, the top legend enemy and the threat to a harmonized uh, format is Control Priest and Spell DH. And Spooky Mage is the one deck that beats both of them. Uh, because it has really good life gain and defensive tools against the spell DH, while having and then, you know, it, it basically out discovers the control priest. It outvalues the control priest and is able, and its discovers are also superior because mages discovers have lethality behind them, while the priest discovers is like just more value, more removal, and that kind of stuff. So the spooky mage really outscales the priest in the late game, and that matchup is really good uh, for the spooky mage. So Spooky Mage is kind of a way of like, if you want to just stop the most uh, potentially problematic decks in the high MMR bracket, you play Spooky Mage, but you're kind of the hero that beats this deck and just hands out wins to everyone else. Uh, because this deck is really, really terrible in a lot of matchup things like Enrage Warrior, Relic Demon Hunter. It's just really, really bad. So there you go, guys. Every time you get Solid Alibi, just remember, you know, the opponent, they're the good guy. They're the one looking out for you. Um, Zach, I am curious. Like, I know that this is a Renathal build in the report. Um, is this because, uh, like, Renathal is obviously superior to the 30-card version? Or is it the situation where non-Renathal builds just... You never saw very much of them. They just haven't been tried that much. Uh, the thing is about Renathal builds, it's looking superior right now. 
uh, because Mage wants Renathal for the Control Priest matchup. Um, like when you when you don't want Renathal, you're you're risking fatiguing yourself uh, against them. Like the matchup is still good, but it, it gets noticeably worse. Uh, I think I did the calculation. Yeah, it's about it, it's pretty dramatic. It's like a five percent, maybe even more five percent difference in the matchup between Renathal and non-Renathal. You get 5% better against Control Priest if you run Renathal. And Renathal is a card that, again, standalone is not that great in late-game strategies, but the fact that Renathal, even if it's played in one popular late-game strategy, it kind of forces everyone to also run Renathal because of the fatigue situation, because of the fatigue clock, so if you're like people often ask me about blood control, what about 30 card blood control? And I'm saying I'm it's possible that 30 card blood control is better than 40 card blood control in a lot of matchups. But if that if you ever run into another like into a Renathal deck, you just lose. If you're running into a mirror against a 40 card blood control, you basically need to aggro them. To win and sometimes it's possible sometimes you get you know banshee into vampiric and get a couple of five fives and you find your morgrain early and you can pressure theoretically it's possible but it obviously puts you in a bad spot obviously you're unfavored obviously it's going to be difficult and if you run into control priest then good luck beating it with 30 card blood control like you're never like it's a, it just seems so hard to do that. So, uh, yeah, kind of Renathal is a tax. Uh, it's kind of a card. I kind of dislike Renathal in its current situation. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the fact that it's kind of a tax on these decks um, is a bit irritating because you're kind of forced to run it because it's, it's kind of feeds itself, right? Once one deck runs Renathal, it kind of forces the others to also do the same. The Elysiana situation. Yeah, it's the Elysiana problem. Um, there is one other deck, we'll talk about it, that started to run more of the Renathal, but for a different reason. Anyway. Uh, okay, so other things that I think are important to note about Mage, because people like are really ignoring Burmage completely. And I do want to say, Burmage is not running Star Power. People are not running Star Power in Burmage. And from the data that I had, Star Power is really good in their archetype. Like, try out, play Star Power, run the deck that we have in the report. I'm pretty confident that this is the best way to go. Uh, we talked about why Star Power is good last week, so I'm going to say it again. People are not running it. I think what, what happens is when a deck doesn't have a high play rate, I mean, Burmage is pretty unpopular. Uh, it just doesn't move in terms of card choices. Just whoever plays it, just... Just plays whatever was established, and there's like there's no movement. People, I don't know, they don't, you know, websites don't put new builds of this archetype when its play rate is so low. This is just what happens because not a lot of people play this deck. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing, Secret Image might be the best mage deck if you build, if you build it well, and the build in the report pretty confident that it's the best build. You know, one. Maybe one or two cards you can you can potentially change, but generally the spooky shell is the way to go for secret mage. But these again, these archetypes are pretty underplayed and don't get a lot of attention. Uh, Paladin is pretty uneventful. It's uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, it plays the same thirty cards that you know we're familiar with. It. It's getting wrecked at Top Legend. This is another counter to Control Priest, by the way, that's getting um, um, discouraged because of the Rise of Outcast and now the Rise of Spell, DH. These decks absolutely demolish Pure Paladin. So if it's being discouraged, and, and again, it gives Priest, Control Priest, more space to operate. Uh, so while Relic Demon Hunter is the main counter, uh, that stops Control Priest. Pa Pure Paladin is another deck that has a favorable matchup against Control Priest that's being discouraged. Yeah, and players never really need too much reason to Top Legend to drop the Paladin. I'm actually surprised the Paladin... I'm surprised the Paladin even has the 
play rate this high right now. Not saying the deck's bad. It's not. It's obviously like still quite good. But players are very eager usually to drop this. And I, again, think we've repeated this point. It does speak to volumes uh, how important the Doomhammer card has been. Also, the, the decks that it does beat. Um, and Rage Warrior, why is it not seen as much play as it should on, on paper? I, I believe it's because it loses to both Chadrid and Control Priest. And in terms of negative sentiment, I think these decks draw, uh, you know, create the most negative sentiment relatively to other decks in the format. And Pure Paladin, people are still believing in it, even at Top Legend, because I believe uh, that they, again, this, this is the deck that beats both Chadrid and Control Priest. This is the deck. Like, if you want, like, if, if you ask a question, I really don't like losing to Chadrid and Control Priest. What can I play to beat both of these decks? The answer is Paladin. So this is what I think drives Paladin's play rate and makes it continue to be played even in high MMR where normally this deck would just be dropped like a, like a hot potato. High MMR players do not like to play Paladin. They have a very uh, intense uh, uh, pattern where whenever this deck is not remotely good enough, it just gets dropped like a rock. Even when it's good, it's underplayed. So when it's like it right now, it's at the tier three range. This deck would normally see like a one percent play rate in that situation at high MMR. But because Chadrin and Control Priest are prevalent, I think this is what drives people to still play Paladin. Hunter. So Hunter does actually pretty interesting development. I actually messed up the write up of Hunter this week. Because I, I forgot. I forgot what occurred. And I had to, you know, after the report got out, I said, okay, I didn't I didn't establish the story here well enough. I didn't explain things well enough. Because things dramatically changed from like a few weeks ago. And I didn't really explain why. So I actually edited the uh, the Hunter paragraph. Uh, and I'll, I'll clarify in the podcast exactly what occurred uh, after, you know, re-reviewing the data that I had over the last few weeks and, uh, you know, forming a, a proper explanation for this. So three weeks ago, um, I evaluated Hunter and it was very clear that 30-card Hunter was superior by a significant margin, by at least a tier. Like It's like it was at least a 2% uh, advantage to 30-card Hunter compared to Renathal Hunter builds. It was very, very obvious, and I was very um, clear that going 30 is much, much better. Um, what happened since is there was a balance patch. And I think it's kind of interesting uh, to see something like that developing. Remember, Posit got nerfed, and Hope of Quelth Loss got nerfed. Both of these were really powerful one-of legendaries in Hunter. Pazic was not just a... Both of them were top three cards in the archetype. And Pazic specifically was also a highly valuable mulligan target. Obviously, a 30-card Hunter build is more likely to find these two cards. So if, you're a little more, so if the top end of your deck is really powerful, that pushes you to run 30 cards over 40. But what happened? They nerfed Hope of Quelthos and they nerfed Posic. So the deck became less top heavy in terms of card performance. And when you make a deck less top heavy, less reliant or less encouraged to find its very best cards, you're pushing a Renathal agenda more. So after the patch, after the nerfs to Posic, and Hope of Quelthalas, some of the gap in performance closed, some of it shrank, but not all of it. Last week, 30-card Hunter was still better than Renathal Hunter. But over the last week, more developments occurred. There were two main things that I can say that I think pushed Renathal to be competitive alongside the 30-card builds. One is meta changes. If you saw this report, you'd remember Spooky Mage declined, Blood Control declined, 
Meanwhile, Outcast DH rose in play. So the pace of the format kind of accelerated a bit, bit over the last week. And Renathal builds are generally better in the faster matchups. For obvious reasons, because while the cushion of the 5 health is smaller than it used to be at 10, it's still a cushion. Uh, and it still helps you in the faster matchups. Uh, while the 30 card builds is basic, is generally better against late game strats because you're still incentivized to find your win conditions in the slower matchups faster. You're not like if you're playing 40, you're not going to beat control priest in fatigue as a Renathal hunter uh, just because you have 40 cards, right? You're not going to do that. You're going to gas out eventually. Cards in your deck don't matter. Hunter doesn't have the card draw in the card generation that Priest has. So it just ends up, you know, falling off in the late game. Uh, you basically, you need the King Crushes uh, with uh, Faithful Companion in order to to win these matchups. And Hunter ha does have a good matchup against Priest, for example. But again, if you dilute your deck, then you're generally worse in these matchups. So the meta changes kind of close the gap. And then there was another critical thing, which is refinement. There were some card choices, some recent card choices that came clutch for the Renathal build. Specifically, Mukla is helpful, even though it's a fourth beast. It kind of improved the consistency of this archetype. Um, and also the secret package with zombies and Nerubian Vizier is quite good. Nerubian Vizier is pretty cool with zombies. It's a pretty cool interaction, and it's quite good. Um, even in the early game, if you play turn two zombies into turn three, Nerubian Vizier is a pretty is pretty powerful. On top of it, Vizier kind of helps you with generation and sustaining into the late game, which kind of uh, helps offset offset some of this you know late game weakness that the Renathal build has. So there were some again. Nerfs to the top performers in the archetype, making it less important to draw them as often as you can with 30 card builds. Meta changes and some refinement. And suddenly this week, I look at the data and I see Renathal builds are as good as the 30 card builds. So sorry for not really telling that story in the report. I messed that up. I should have done better with the explanation. But this is uh, the clarification, and I hope people are going to understand it now. Well, Fino is going to be absolutely thrilled, Zach. So it all, all's well that ends well. Yeah, actually, I, I said sorry to him on Twitter because I, uh, I realized that I messed it up. I just forgot. I generally, there's so many uh, events that are occurring in a meta in just one week that, you know, two reports ago for me is like eternity. Oh, that's like seven balance patches, Zach. That's like seven balance patches back. It was like a balance patch ago. It was like a different format. I didn't even remember <laughs> that it was... Uh, because the the fact that I saw that there was no difference this week between the Renathal build and the 30-card build made me forget how big the difference was like three weeks ago. And three weeks ago, I say, <laughs> you know, Renathal builds are much, much worse. And Fino gets pissed off that I said that three <laughs> weeks ago because he was running Renathal. And the VS report tells him that it's much, much worse. And now I tell him that it's not worse, so he was right or whatever. No, but there is actually, it was true that back then it was much, much worse. What can I say? It's just that uh, uh, there was multiple changes that caused it to, for the gap to close. And I didn't really provide a good enough explanation in the report initially on why that happened. So it was kind of seemed contradictory. But anyway... All that ends well. I hope this clarification helps people understand what happened. Um, yeah, uh, Arcane Hunter, unfortunately, kind of faded off. Um, and uh, But I, I do think that if this deck archetype gets supported in the future, it has a chance because it's pretty close. And it would be pretty cool because we talked about Arcane Hunter as a really cool flavor, and I think people want to make it work. It just hasn't, it doesn't have the power level behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully we get the uh, the Arcane Titan or, uh, I don't know, something cool like that. That'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so Rogue 
is kind of in a problem right now. I think it's a relevance problem. Miracle Rogue has a small, dedicated subset of high legend players that still enjoy this deck and they run this deck. And honestly, Miracle Rogue is a pretty decent deck at these ranks, but there's just no visibility for this class. There's no traction for this class elsewhere on ladder. It kind of is a blank. And we need we need something new to occur. Hopefully, the next expansion provides that. Uh, but obviously, Rogue is in kind of a bad shape. Secret Rogue does have some developments, but Secret Rogue is really bad in a Demon Hunter dictated format. It's it's just bad against Demon Hunter. Uh, all Demon Hunter decks kind of uh, steal its lunch money. So even though it's kind of a priest counter, it is a kind of a priest counter. I don't think it's in a good enough place to gain traction in order to address a potential rise in, in priest. It's pretty terrible against Spell Demon Hunter. We've been banging on about Rogue for a while, um, so I do hope that it gets some new stuff. You know, you said at the top that you've got a reveal to do with Rogue. I know you can't say anything about it right now, but um, we're both big Rogue fans, so I, I just hope that we get something cool. You know, we've talked about this a lot, though. Um, yeah, I'd like to see a new archetype. I'd like to see a new archetype for the class that, uh, that's cool and fun, uh, but we'll see. Um, Shaman. Um, yeah, so Totem Shaman, uh, there's a Megatha, there's a Megatha build that kind of gained traction and looks quite good right now. Uh, again, there was a change, uh, initially Megatha and Shaman during the Paladin meta, uh, encourage you to cut schooling and Bloodlust because Bloodlust, uh, you know, was useless against Paladin. Uh, so you might as well drop it and run more minions. Uh, now, though, schooling is really important. Bloodless is really important for obvious reasons. Uh, you need it against the defensive strats. So you can run Megatha and still keep these cards and just risk potentially giving it to your opponent if you play the Megatha. The Megatha is still a really good card uh, in this build. Uh, and it's it just it helps you because it, it like Megatha is not ideal when you run some spells. But Ancestral Knowledge is really a card that this deck normally should never run, right? This is like Ancestral Knowledge is not a card that Totem Shaman should ideally run. And the fact that it had to tap into Ancestral Knowledge, which is okay, right? It's good. I think that it's good that Ancestral Knowledge is in the format in order to, you know, fill a gap when it's needed for an archetype to be viable in a certain situation. But if you know, Totem Shaman is in an ideal situation. It doesn't run Ancestral Knowledge because it just doesn't car. It's not a card that fits the game plan of that deck. It's a it's an arcane intellect, and sometimes arcane intellect comes in, sometimes it pops out. It very much depends on you know what else is going on in the format, which is a great card to have in the core set. Yeah, exactly. So I do like Ancestral Knowledge in the core set. I think it's it's a very useful card to have for Shaman. Uh, but again, right now with Megatha, I think Totem Shaman can drop it, uh, free up some slots to run bouncers, and it, it's going to be in a better spot. The Evolve Shaman, I'm very happy with. I'm very happy with Horn. I think that card is really good in that archetype. Um, and Evolve Shaman is pretty solid. Though, again, Shaman at High Legend, not so good right now because of Outcast. Uh, the Rise of Outcast really destroyed the... Not destroyed, but discouraged a lot of boy-centric archetypes because it's really good at deny. Confession, Zach. When I saw the words Horn Evolve Shaman, I I saw the H and I thought it said hair. And I think I just had my heart rate skyrocket. I might have gone into a bit of a panic attack. <laughs> right, hair. When you said hair, I thought about the hair on, on the head. But yeah, desert hair, I just remembered. <laughs> that was not pleasant, but... But again, this Evolve Shaman, I really don't mind it. I think it's a it's a nice deck to have in the format. It doesn't have the normal sins of an Evolve Shaman. There's no early game blowouts that are really, really silly. Uh, it's Evolve turns. Like for Evolve Shaman, I think to be healthy and competitive, the Evolve turns, the Evolve swings need to happen later in the game. This is what's happening right now. This is why I think this deck is fine. Warlock sucks, and uh, there's, nothing, there's really nothing to say about Warlock. It's just, it's just terrible. It's just there's no point. It's better than the Spooky Mage, but uh, but it doesn't have you know, it doesn't have the 
the appeal. The vibes. The vibes of Spooky Mage. Right? There's no... There's no... Like, a Spooky Mage, as bad as it is, ha- serves some role in the format as well. Like, as I said, if you want to be the hero at Top Legend right now, you play Spooky Mage. It's honestly the heroes who are playing that deck right now. Now, Zach, isn't that just because you play Spooky Mage? I feel like I'm getting no, fed a narrative here. I, Are you sure? No. No, mm-hmm. I'm playing Outcast as a card. I'm playing... No. I'm playing a deck that loses to Spooky Mage. This is what I'm playing. You've switched. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, I'm not... Uh, I haven't played Relic DH in, like, weeks. I am ultimate... I am an Outcast fan. I am... An, I am so addicted to Outcast that, I, again, I've played, like, 120 games in Wild. Like a couple of days to hit Legend and Wild, because I'm so addicted to the the feeling of Outcast. Glavetar is like a drug. I love to hear that. I, I'm so yeah. I knew you would love that, but I'm addicted. I've just been spamming Glavetar decks in all three formats, and I finally got like I blew past 1,000 win portrait for Demon Hunter. I think that was stuck at like 500 for about a in year and a half, and in about a month, <laughs> it's like a thousand win new portrait secured. Kind of the same for me. Uh, like, I've never been, like, a big Demon Hunter player. Um, but Outcast is converting me. And I'm also... I do play on two servers, so it's not fair to say that I'm almost hitting 1,000 with Demon Hunter. I've already hit 1,000 with Demon Hunter if you add both servers. But, but yeah, I'm getting there at least on one server because uh, because Outcast is just really fun. Uh, Death Knight, I have, like, 75 wins. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't play Death Knight. I just, I just don't vibe with this class. I don't know what's gonna happen. What needs to happen for me to play Death Knight? I just don't play it. Honestly, same. Like, I'm, I'm not much further along than 200, which for me is like not very much Hearthstone for a class. Yeah, yeah. I have like 75 wins on on my main server, so it's kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, um, that's that's kind of it for the format. Again, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, Hound Hunter is a good deck. It's the best deck to, to climb the legend with right now. But I, I find Hound Hunter personally inoffensive. I really love Hound Hunter uh, uh, as a concept. I love Hollow Hound. I think it's one of the best design cards that Hunter has ever had. I think it transformed that class into something that's much more interesting. Uh, so even though it's the best deck, I think it's uh, it's good to have a best deck that that is as inoffensive as Hound Hunter is. So in general, the, the format is really solid. Again, top legend could get hairy. I am warning you guys that could get a bit uh, discouraging uh, with uh, the spell DH control priest duo. I'm looking at that. I'm watching out for that. Uh, but the rest of the rest of ladder for most players, I think this format's pretty successful. Yeah, um, it seems like it's at a great spot. Like I know the second patch after. Uh, new content is usually where they kind of try and nail things down but it kind of seems like the first patch was so good that you know you don't need to be too eager on the trigger finger to try and shake things up or fix things because i don't know apart from like one or two tiny issues um everything seems good like standard feels like it's in a really solid place if it's not for you like if you're not currently enjoying standard it's probably more about like the cards or decks available rather than any sort of balance concern or something that can be fixed with balance changes. It's more something that you should keep an eye out for the next expansion, I think. Yeah, if you don't enjoy this format, it's probably because you don't vibe with a specific deck, right? You didn't find something that you enjoy playing. Uh, rather than... Because there's no deck that's, like, popular to the point of making you sick of it, right? There's no... Like, the the most popular deck has, like, a 12% play rate, Right? Uh, uh, between 10 and... Uh, at any run bracket, the most popular deck is between 10 and 15%. There's no deck that surpasses, I think, 13%. So it's hard to get sick of one deck, of like, I'm tired of losing to that deck. That's what diversity is. That is the advantage of diversity, that you don't constantly lose to the same cards. So it's unlikely that you get repulsed by one specific deck. Like, I think if there is one de- such a deck, it's Chadroid, because... It's enough for Chadra to be like 10% of the of the field for people to complain it significantly because of its of of its play patterns. But again, other than a, a couple of minor issues, I think this meta is really good. I think the balance patch, the last balance patch did well. And this put out in a spot where 
if there is a balance patch next week, we might not need to do much in order to put us in a, in in a even better spot. And honestly, I'm I'm chill. I I would even rather do nothing than over tinker. But uh, but that's me. Uh, yeah. So that that's kind of it. I'm looking forward next week. We probably we might start talking about the new cards specifically. I'd like to you know uh, discuss some of them with you. Uh, there will be some reveals going on next week. I think reveal season starts on uh, July 3rd, uh, which means by the time we have the, the, the podcast next week, there will be some, some other cards to discuss. And I'm really interested and curious about all the Titans. Uh, it should be fun. I really love reveal season. So it's part of the things that, one of the things I enjoy the most about Hearthstone. Yeah, talking about Hearthstone is sometimes much better than even playing Hearthstone. Like, the big picture, talking it out with friends and the community, like, I love that so much. And reveal season is the part where everyone does it, you know? It's the easiest thing to join in and speculate because you can't be wrong. It's hard to get a, <laughs> you know, you get to this theory craft and do whatever you want and give cards, reviews, and, you know, you can never get called out for it. And that's the best part. Yeah, and and after after like two months when we you were horribly wrong about something, you just people just forget about it. They don't remember. It didn't happen. Yeah, uh, except for me because I, I all the predictions that I make are in writing. <laughs> <laughs> I put them on a website. It's so easy to to pick it apart. And say, oh, you were wrong about that. But I honestly, I don't care. It's just fun. It's just uh, just good fun, and uh, it's a blast. And the reveal season is great. And this reveal season, I think the team five are doing something that I really appreciate which is they're likely revealing uh every class i mean not likely they're pretty much revealing one class a day they're they're going over i don't know they're probably revealing singular cards over the next week like starting july 3rd and then on july 10th uh they're starting uh neutrals they're revealing like they're doing like three days of neutrals they're revealing all of the neutrals, and then for the next eleven days, they reveal one class at a, a a day. So you get every day you get to discuss a full class set, and you can speculate about uh, its potential and what you can do with it. You can already start theory crafting for it. You can uh, talk about it with your friends, and every day is a new class. So there's always something to do, and the reveal season ends. On uh, the twenty, uh, the twenty third. So, usually, if you remember, the reveal season normally ends on Wednesday, almost like two weeks before the launch of the expansion, and that often felt like it was too long of like a dead time, and now they've narrowed it to this like nine days. From, from the next expansion. So there is less of a downtime from the end of reveal season to the launch of the expansion, which is another thing that I think is generally a positive thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I love what they're doing. Um, I know that when they first started introducing these batches, um, they didn't have the entire class. And I think like last reveal season, they might have even moved away from it. So I'm very happy that they've returned uh and are planning on doing like the full class in one go. It just makes theory crafting and deck building and knowing the full picture um, just so much more fun. And it kind of, uh, it, it just gives the community more to do during the wait, right? Like it makes the time feel a lot less dead. Uh, and yeah, great job. It seems like being able to narrow that last week uh, period of time as well. So no, big fan of everything they've done there. Uh, I, have to, I have to ask those, uh, though, Zach, have you ever watched Attack on Titan? Because I swear, every time I read this expansion's name, I can just picture the da-da-da-da-da from the, uh, the intro of the Attack on Titan uh, anime. I actually, I'm holding off from watching it until mm-hmm. it ends. And then I'll watch it in one go. I, uh, like, it's kind of been snowballing me because... Um, like, I, w- I always said, oh, this thing is never going to end. So I'm going to, like, I don't want to watch it, finish a season, and then have to wait for the next season. So with with specifically Attack of Time, I said to myself, okay, I'm just going to wait until that thing ends. And then I'll watch the whole of it. And what happened is, like, there's, like, they released, like, the final season. And then the final season part two 
And then, oh, that's not the end. There's the final season for sure this time. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wait until the final season for sure, the end. There's nothing after Attack on Titan. Once that ends, I'll watch it. All right, I'll be able to I'll be able to talk it out with you in 2027 when they finally drop the full thing. It seems like <laughs> the final, final, final season. <laughs> That's yeah. it. All right, we're getting into anime talk. We got to get out of here. Um, all right, thank you, listeners, so much for joining us today. Um, as always, you can support the show, support VS by signing up with VS Gold, getting on Patreon, get a whole bunch of sweet perks as well. Um, again, we'll have to see if there's a patch for the next report. Um, we'll just keep an eye out for what the devs are talking about on that front. If you want to follow Vicious on Twitter, you can go to ViciousHS for the Twitter there, and also come join the Discord to talk with the community um, and get involved with all the conversation as we get into the reveal season. Once again, we always want to thank Evil Dave so much for the podcast transcriptions and Steven Sensei for the intro and outro, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye! The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.